Welcome back to That Rugby Podcast. Uh, you're joined by myself, Luke, and my co-host, Husey. We're hosted by the Sport Brief. Husey, uh, it's been an interesting kind of week and a bit of sport. Like, there's been a lot yeah. of news headlines with, especially in Southern Hemisphere, around with a lack of sport being played or rugby being played, should I say. Mm. It's been a it's been a good off season time. Like all the news that's come out has been your typical off season stuff, signings, re-signings, uh, you know, uh, rule changes, and all this sort of stuff. Uh, there has been some rugby. Uh, is worth mentioning the sevens tournament happened uh, over in Dubai. The Aussie women took out took out the victory there. So <laughs> something for me to hang my hat on. Yay! Yeah. I was like, you're grasping here now. Um, no, they did. They mm-hmm. And again, the, by far the strongest Australian team out there at the moment is that women's series mm-hmm. team. And uh, yeah, they dominated that that final enough to, to beat one New Zealanders. And then South Africa took out the men's tournament against Argentina, yeah. where our men came third. I love love this new seven setup where both talk, both men and women played at the same time. Yeah. Um, less teams, more action. And then from what I've read and from what I'm led to believe, it's like the top eight qualify for the final series in Madrid. So, like, throughout this whole tournament, it all comes down to what happens in Madrid, um, which I actually quite like. Like, as much as I love tournament, I love that there is a goal at the end with one massive tournament. So yeah. I might have to take myself to Madrid just to see that, um, since I'm yeah. close enough um, compared to you. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah you need some other... You need, you need a reason to visit Madrid, you know? You just, you know, why would you, why would you just go to Spain, you know? Yeah, you definitely need a reason uh, to visit. Totally. Um, but I, I wanted to get onto one point, jumping across from the sevens, onto one point that's going to be close to your heart at least, tackle height in Australian rugby. Now, yeah. I want to hear your opinion first, just purely because I've now played in England where the tackle height has been adjusted. So I want to hear what your opinion is, and I can kind of give my version. Yeah. Um, so are they just going... I don't know the full details of this. I did see the news about this. Are they doing it in a staged approach or is it just going to be everyone below shoot shield level, I think, is going to be tackling, uh, is going to have the tackle zone lowered? I believe so. I be- from what I read, that's what I got out of it. I may have misread a quote somewhere, but yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm, this might just be, I'm very keen to hear what you think of it, having gone from the Australian rugby system to the English rugby system in the space, in you know, under 12 months, under six months even. But for me, I would like to see it staged where it starts in the youth competitions and then over, and then every year the age level for it gets upped and upped up. So that way you're introducing this at a young level and you're not trying to get 30, 40 year old blokes who've been playing rugby one way their entire life to try and change their habits overnight. Um, that might just be me really shooting for the lowest common denominator and not giving enough credit where it's due to community rugby players. Um, so that, that's, that's probably where I think a lot of the negative backlash is coming from is that people are like, I've been playing this game this way for this many years. Now you want us to completely change what we're doing, um, overnight basically. So I don't have an issue with it. I think as long as and it seems to be that there's going to be, this is going to become the international standard at all levels of rugby that for this many different um, national uh, unions implementing this to me suggests this is going to become the international standard at some point. So it's better to start working your way towards that um, now, and eventually it's going to everyone's going to be affected by it. So may as well get used to it now. 
Yeah, inter- interesting. And I like, yeah, like the approach of you, as I've always said, you know, these guys have been learning to play. Even the professionals have been learning to play a certain way to try and teach them out of it in six months or whatever it is. And two months and one month is just impossible. Example, yeah. being myself um, included in that, as I've come over to England, I'm a massive, I'm a grapple tacker, tackler. I hate mm. a chop. Never loved a chop. Don't like chop. Don't like to chop people. I like to go high. Um get the ball, try and steal the ball type thing like that. So I've been penalised a yeah, few times back. over here. Yeah. Typical back, doesn't want to make a tackle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I even got to the point where I penalised one time where I'm grabbing the player and his elbows have knocked me in the chin. So like, again, he's run up, yeah. I've run up, and I've been penalised for a high tackle when he's made contact with my head. All I've done is hit body to body. So I go, you know, like there's levels to this where I go, this just makes no sense. And it still yeah. happens in rugby. There was a Tackle on the weekend that you know was just must have just been above the sternum, and how's that a fucking penalty? Like how have we won a penalty yeah. there? And the issue I have is it stops the game, it then gives a penalty, slows down the game, means more less time of ball in, in play, which again is what rugby's struggling with at the moment. So I kind of go, look, there's there's all these issues that come with it. I totally understand head contact, head injuries, all of that. Like we've got to get rid of them, but I've had free yeah. free head contact. Not injuries, but like I cut my head open, broke my nose, and then had a lump on my head. So two of them came from being at the bottom of a ruck, so not yeah. even to do with the tackle. Um, and then the third one from me came from me chopping and getting my head on the wrong side of the the, uh, the tackler. So went in, got my head on the wrong side, and got a knock to the head. And I go, yeah. none of the points when I'm a notorious high tackler have I ever – felt unsafe going in high, but I feel unsafe going yeah. in low, especially because I have, again, another back, I have zero trust in my left shoulder. If anyone who's facing me is watching this, just sidestep onto my left shoulder because I can't make a tackle to save myself with my left shoulder. So I will do whatever I can to put myself on my right shoulder, even if yeah. that is to put my head at a detrimental place. Now you're saying, Luke, you should learn, you know, I should teach that out of me. But again, I'm now just about to be 30 years old. I... I'm not teaching that out of me. I'm saving myself yeah. as a, like my my left shoulder when I'm when I'm old, I'll I'll be fine. I'll be able to lift things, I'll be able to, you know, do everything. My right shoulder's gonna be bummed. Yeah. And I've accepted that. But I go yeah. that that nothing nothing excuse me more than going, I have to chop someone, they're on my left side, I'm just flying in with my head and my shoulder to make sure I make contact. I would rather say, actually I'll go up a bit higher where I can get my full body onto it and then I trust my left shoulder a little bit more. Yeah, my worst head injury I've ever suffered. So, um, so I've had a, a couple of head injuries from rugby. Um, one of them during a game where I, I had a minor break of my nose. Not bad, like you can see, it's not too out of shape. It's just a little bump there. Um, it was something from a line out. I don't remember if someone like sort of turned and whacked me with their shoulder, or if it was an elbow or something. But it was not a tackle. Right, the that's not the worst one I've ever had. The worst head injury I've ever had, where I suffered a concussion, where I was knocked out, I was out cold for a few seconds, and I dislocated my jaw, was done in training, uh, and it was not a tackling drill. Uh, what it was was there's the classic drill where you have just your line and you're passing it down the line, teach people to run on the ball. Right, this is high school rugby, high school rugby drill. Right, this is opens level. I'm in year eleven, and and we're doing you know command year eleven, year twelve. This young coach has a brilliant idea of to teach us to run straight lines. What he would do is have two lines opposing each other and you run into the gaps, right? So you run straight, otherwise you're going to run into someone else. 
Now, I ran a straight line. The year 12, six foot, whatever, second rower opposite me didn't run straight. So I've got the ball. I've passed. I've looked up. I've seen his elbow. Then it's three seconds later. I'm on the ground and the sky is green and everything that's supposed to be blue is turned green for me. This completely true story was hospitalized and everything. And then I, my jaw was off to the side and I couldn't, I couldn't speak properly. Um, the same bright spot coach decided to let me walk back to school unaccompanied. Uh, where I was <laughs> swiftly driven to hospital. Uh, safe to say he did not coach much long beyond that. And it's the reason why that school now has a head injury policy uh can i just so say it was just, not a tackling drill it's not surprising that it was a lock as well you know we've we yeah. constantly talk about the lack of lack of air they get to yeah. those heads because that doesn't exactly. surprise me at all but yes yeah. continue uh, so yeah not not even a not even a tackling not even a tackling drill not a live game scenario right so um and you know i've, I've suffered a lot of other injuries in games in fact i've had broken ribs twice during games right so Admittedly, the second time was because I rushed back from the first time. But, uh, you know, you, you suffer all, all sorts of injuries. The only other concussion I've ever suffered, I got while I was playing a game of touch football. That's right, touch football, where the ex-league player decided to stop me catching a ball by running into me and um, concussing me. So it's like, they, yes, head injuries are definitely a problem. We're not trying to minimize it, and we're huge on player safety in this podcast. We're always preaching player safety and i do think this tackling rule is a good idea but i think it needs to be implemented properly from the youth youth competitions then leading into the senior competitions you know and i think equally as players need to be educated about it referees need to as well because just what you're describing to me it's like you need to um it's almost like you know every so often nrl refs get their bees in a bonnet about something about you know a couple years ago there was the high tackle thing where everyone was just getting red card at left, right and center, you know, like it was just like any kind of contact like this red card. Um, and it's almost like that. It's almost like a huge overreaction and we need to swing back to a considered medium, you know, like there's got to be reasonable reasonableness in this. And it's like, you know, it's such a, it, it's such a gray area, you know, it's such a, it's such a judgment call there that I think you need to, I think you can, because you have lowered the height so significantly, you can err on the side of letting it play through, you know, because it's not like, you know, when the attacker height was up around here, you know, there was very little room for error. It was pretty clear cut, hit him on the head, gone. Right. But here, cause you're on the sternum, this is not about, like, if you hit someone up here, you're not going to concuss them. Okay. <laughs> you know, unless you're driving him into the turf. If you hit someone here, it's you're not doing significant injury barring a freak accident, right? So you can probably let something being up around here above the, at the top of some above the stone, you can probably let that go. If it's a borderline or margin call, you know, you can use that judgment. And yeah. that that's where I think it's probably getting a lot of the negative reaction is people are worried and probably rightly so that there's going to be too much of a reaction. It's going to really, as you said, it slows down the game, kills time, silly penalties, all the things about rugby union that we don't like, it adds more onto that pile. Yeah, and I'd be really interested to know what the world rugby for this stats that they have to show that, yes, this is going to stop concussions um, because apparently they've got it. So, hey, um, hopefully yeah. it does. But, um, yeah, just in my brief time, there's been still enough high tackles to say that at least the guys in my team and teams at competition around us haven't learnt yet 
and there's still been enough questionable calls where you go, like, the one on the weekend, no one was up in arms in our team about it. Like, we didn't think it was a high tackle, but... Like yeah. that, that's that's where the game was issuing. Like I totally understand when people, teams know when there's a high tackle, but yeah, when like we weren't even like, oh, that was a high tackle. The rest just made that decision. Mm. And again, he's it's probably the right decision, but yeah, uh, it's yeah. just hard. It's hard. Uh, talking about referees, um, yeah. and the reason I want to talk, obviously, Wayne Barnes recently retired, and now yep. the TMO has come out and decided to step away from rugby as well after the abuse he's copped um, from that Rugby World Cup final, the TMO there. Uh, obviously, probably New Zealand fans jumping in there, not going not gonna to hide away from the fact that it, if anyone's giving that referee abuse for a final, more than likely New Zealand fans, to start off, A, we are better than that. So yeah. shut the fuck up. Like Again, no matter what you opinion you have of the TMO, yeah. Don't go message. Like, what? what's the point of that? Like, I don't get, we've discussed this many times, you don't get anything out of that. Yeah. He can't change what's happened. In the end, I don't think it's ever a referee or TMO's fault that we've lost what we've lost. Like, again, mm. he's done everything that World Rugby probably wants him to do. I think the, the sport has a bigger issues with how TMO are being impl- implemented at the moment. But it's, as Wayne Barnes said, he was the best TMO that, is in the sport as Wayne Barnes is the best referee we had. So we had the best TMO, the best referee. If yeah. a decision gets made wrong or that we don't agree with, chances are it's not because the TMO and referees made that decision as much as it can be. It's because World Rugby's put them in that position to make that decision. Is the way I see you, it. You, you, exactly what I was, what I had in my head is exactly it. You know, like I think when we've debated the TMO especially around this World Cup final where we haven't liked it, you know, and especially I thought that, you know, maybe that the call wasn't correct. It's the, it's not the TMO, TMO's fault for that. That is their job. That is what they've been put there to do for them to not speak up in that situation would be not doing their job. Right. The issue is with, how it's structured is that the fact that that is their job in the first place is the fact that world rugby has given them that job description, given them that scope of work and said, this is what you're doing. That's why we have the issue with it is the structure of it, not the individuals themselves. You know, um, a few weeks ago in our local touch footy competition, uh, we didn't have a referee for a game. So I refereed for a game. Now this is just a simple seven on seven touch football competition. It is bloody hard. It is bloody hard to, to referee, to be, running that much to have your eyes on so many different parts of the game, especially, you know, I didn't have the benefits of touchies, TMOs or anything like that. It's just, you know, pure community touch footy kind of thing, right? Trying to keep your eyes on all that. You're having to make so many split second decisions about so many different things. Like I think I remember one of our podcasts, we said one, we, we heard a stat about how many decisions a referee have to make, a, has to make a game. Like it's thousands of decisions and it, that's a hundred percent right. They're making thousands of decisions again, and if they get, they might get one wrong, and that's all that will get amplified. If you had any job where you had a 99.9% success rate at whatever you did, you would be considered outstanding. You would be considered well, best service provider. You know, so that for, that for me really, I hadn't done any proper refereeing sort of before that, and even then, that's not real proper refereeing, but like, you know. 
for you know refereeing in a competition, I guess, as as yeah. informal as touch football is, and to have it be a fair and balanced game, to be making the decisions as well as combating your own exhaustion is is in, incredible mental effort. So I can only imagine what you know, uh, you know. Rugby World Cup final referees are having to having to deal with how many decisions having to make, as well as the TMO, right? As the the TMO, you are reviewing that footage with, you know, for us it might seem like ages, but I'm sure for them it's not that much time. It's a couple of minutes to look at to look at stuff, and especially you've got to look at that stuff, and you can't spend too long on it because you've got to then keep watching the rest of the game. You've got to make however many decisions on that. You've got to review every part of that. Look at all 30 players on the field. You know, make your decisions about that, and then communicate that, and get and and make a ruling, or get the referee to make a ruling. Um, so, you know, they made a call, but that's because that was their job to make that call, right? They they followed the rules to. I don't think anyone would say that um, they blatantly disregarded the rules. They blatantly didn't follow the rules. You know, I think we could say, oh, maybe they their judgment was slightly off. You know, we can have a difference of opinion about that. Interpretation. But if you're Exactly, interpretation. But an interpretation of a rule is not a reason to send death threats to someone, to say you're going to hunt them down, to feel like you need to warn your children's school that they might be in harm's way. Like, that's 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 very fucked up. That's a terrible thing to have to deal with. Yeah. I. It's exactly as you said as well. Like, imagine getting 99% of your job right and still getting death threats and worrying about your kids. Like, there is no doubt he's got a very clear reason to step down. Like, that is not... You just sit there and you go, why am I doing this? Like, what is the point? Yeah. Like, if everyone else can enjoy, you know, on Instagram, mm-hmm. being on Instagram with their families and this and that, and I have to worry about these messages I'm getting, who, before this game, this dickhead didn't know me, still will probably yeah. wake up the next day hungover, regretting his decision to message me, but has messaged me his thoughts at the time and is an idiot. And again, yeah, it's just... Doesn't look good on the sport of rugby, um, especially no. as a New Zealander. Hurts it's us it's the same with it's. Unfortunately, it doesn't look good on sports as a whole because there's no sport that is immune to this. Totally. You know, um, I would say thankfully we're not soccer because that I feel like is the sport where people would actually follow through on it. You 100%. know, um, I don't. I you know that. Yeah, the the this fans are just next level in, in that sort of stuff. So like, at least at least you know it's not that, but. My God, it could is, easily become that. that. That's the thing. My issue is we need to nip this in the butt before it gets to the point where yeah. someone actually does get hurt. And I think exactly. that's, there's, I know there's a referee. Need accountability. Now. Exactly. And yeah. so World Rugby, again, you've put them in this position and you've seen two, you're now your best referee and your best TMO walk away. They have to be sitting there going like, what do we do? What's next? And uh, I, I, yeah. I listened to a really good podcast um that was passed on by my girlfriend's dad of Ben O'Keefe um, talking to uh, Dom Harvey. And this was after the Chiefs versus Crusaders final where he got a whole mm. lot of messages. And just the way he goes about it, it's just really interesting. So um, I might link that if I can find it and put it in yeah. in our description. But, yeah, it's just oh, referees. Yeah, there's been, I think in rugby league, there's been some good examples of just whenever the hatred has been received to players, coaches, referees, whoever, they've swiftly acted on it, you know, banned those people from grounds and things like that, like really done everything they can to reinforce that, hey, there are consequences to this. And that's what I think rugby needs to do as well. Um, You know, it's hard when it's online, when it's online vitriol and hate, uh, it's really hard to do. But I think if you can identify these individuals, then 
you can you can work on things like bands depending on their the content of their messages and everything like that you know and people have to learn that they you know you you don't have full anonymity through the internet for doing something like this and that, I mean that's a whole other debate about internet privacy laws and things like that but nowadays it's it's easy enough to identify someone on there right or wrong where you know you can judge that for yourself but th that is the case and if you I mean if you're if you're mess if you're dumb enough to message from your own personal account with your name, photos of yourself splashed everywhere, easily identifiable marks, and you're messaging horrific stuff like that to actual people, which that's what they need to remember. These are actual people on the other end. Um, then you should be banned. You know, there's no reason to do that. You know, 100%. if you you know you message something like, "Oh, that was a shit call, you dickhead," whatever. I mean, you still shouldn't do that, but it's a bit, it's you know, it's a bit like. It's a bit more understandable. It's you know you can understand the thing of steam. You message someone, I'm going to hunt you and your kids down. Then you should be banned. You should be banned from grounds and things like that because that's totally unacceptable. We don't want you on this for that's yeah that's exactly. 100. So yeah, look, um, we'll see. We'll, we'll keep keep touch base. Obviously, referees are such an important it's part unfortunately, of our game. I, I, it's unfortunately a growing trend within sports as a whole, though, that I'm noticing that the more online interaction there is, everyone loves to be negative. Like it's, it, you get a lot more interactions, likes, comments, whatever, from posting something negative or commenting something negative, tearing someone down, than than positive content gets. You know, everyone's trying to uh, to have a funny one-liner. Everyone's trying to, you know, funnily insult someone these days to get some 15 minutes in the sun. Um, and it's really disappointing to see. I personally, that's not what I like to see about sports at all. You know, I hate it when, um, you know, opposing fans or fans of your own team, are like, are like tearing stuff down, tearing players down. It's like, what's the point? Why do you watch this then? Like just to be negative about everything. Like for me, it's much more fun to just go out there, watch my team and, and enjoy it. And, you know, yeah, if you've got if you've got rival teams, enjoy them losing. But I'm not going to go uh, post like what a loser this dickhead is. I bet his mum still gives him a bath or something weird like that. You know, just the random shit people come up with. Like it's it's just so that's just so strange to me. Um, it, and I, a, I don't get there's that. There's a time and a place for it all. And you yeah. know, like if you do need events, do it in your group chats. Do it in your yeah. You know where you, it's a safe place for you. Video event. It doesn't affect anyone. It's not going anywhere. Um, because yeah. that's that's honestly like that again. Our, our American football chat. Our we you, you know you can go in on people. You've got different opinions yeah. in there, so someone can hold you in line if you do go too far. So yeah. yeah, I just I just sit there. I go yeah. There's a time and a place, and you need to vent. There's there's places for it, but don't exactly don't messages like that to our referees who we need in the sports. Hundred um, percent. Moving on to another interesting topic. Owen Farrell yeah. has decided to take some time off from international rugby. Um, yeah. There's been talk about his mental health, obviously the circus that went through with the tackle and then everyone coming out against him pretty much and him being World Rugby's number one villain for a little bit there. Now, there's two things I want to mention here. A, I think this will happen more and more and I don't think mm. this is a bad thing, especially after the pressures of a Rugby World Cup. So the Rugby yeah. World Cup is a massive event. Like I don't Huge. think this should be looked down upon at all that no. you need a break. Again, Hey, worker, us, we get our 28 days leave. We don't have, like, you may get a project, but your project, no project is as big as a 
four, six-week-long Rugby World Cup, eight-week-long Rugby World Cup, where you're playing yep. the best teams week in, week out, where you got the pressure of a nation on your shoulder. So there's nothing yeah, Where like millions that. of people know your names. Like, yeah, you might be involved in some huge corporate transaction worth billions of dollars, right? But Joe Bloggs walking down the street is not going to know who you are, right? You miss a penalty kick at the Rugby World Cup, you're going to have half the pubs in England jeering your name, you know? Exactly. It is, is totally different levels. So, yeah, so I just think that, Players like this should be allowed to do it. And I'm loving that New Zealanders can go and take a sabbatical to Japan, get a little bit like, again, less physical games than they get in New Zealand again, because that's the thing. You've got to think, yeah. Owen Farrell's gone back and he's gone straight back into Saracens rugby. Yeah. And straight back into the harsh reality of premiership rugby, which is just as brutally judged as the English rugby side. So you go, he hasn't had really a break since the Rugby World Cup. And then you're going to ask him to back up in the Six Nations. Like, these guys, yeah. This I know I understand it's their job, it's their profession, but mentally he would be drained. And I, I just think we normalise, yeah. start to normalise this. We see it with Cody Taylor and, and the All Blacks. You know, he's getting Hooper. on with age. Hooper, again, this is something he's won that the other year, yeah. these players, they need to take some time off, and it should never be frowned upon from them some taking being able to take some time off. Like, I think it's yeah. going to be part of the game is, okay, I've just had a big fucking Rugby World Cup. Give me six months a year off. I'll stay in shape. I'll play club rugby, but I just want to focus on on that. For yeah, now. and I think as well, a lot of I think we said it at the time as well. A lot of the stuff about his about the decision about him not getting a huge ban. That's not on him. That's on the judges of that to rule consistently. You know, like because just because he gets treated differently, it's he's not inviting that different treatment. He's not demanding that different treatment. You know, that is. That is what those judges have decided, and the the fact that they decided so harshly for one player and not for him is at, that is at the judges' feet, not at Owen Farrell's feet. You know, because as as rich and as influential of a rugby player as he is, it is not enough to influence that kind of thing. That would need to be like an England rugby led thing, right? So it, again, you can't put it at the feet of the player, and he but he is the face of it, so he gets the he cops the hate. Um, and that definitely has a role to play in it as well. 100%. And again, yeah, he, he's been for a tough, I would say, 12 months, and mm. I just think we this is going to be normalised. This is going to be more and more normalised, players putting themselves in front, of, break. Yeah. in front of, you know, as, as much, not in front of the country, but just putting themselves first, which players need to do, put themselves and their families first, yeah. as we always We say it with the money thing, like... If you get the opportunity to make a bag, take the bag. Like, this is, you've got a short career. This is, you know, you're not going to be doing rugby forever. If you've got the opportunity when your mental health is struggling to take some time off, take that opportunity. Like, there's no doubt in my yeah. mind that it's the right decision. I just think we start to normalise this. Um, that's, that's, that's not just rugby players. It's every profession, you know. It's totally, everyone. 100%. And last little point before we get on to our last couple of topics. Bowden Barrett has re-signed with the All Blacks and the Blues rugby yes. um, until 2027, so he's back for the Rugby World Cup, um, which is mm-hmm. the first of a good signing. Um, will be interesting to see if any others join him later on down the line. Um, what Bowden Barrett really is doing single-handedly is making sure we don't need a ghetto law, purely because yeah. he's going <laughs> and he's coming back. He's going and he's coming back. And so at the moment, if he can do it, then anyone should be able to do it. Now, how big of a part he'll play in the 2027 Rugby World Cup is going to be really interesting because Razor's got four years to plan and we know Razor's pretty um, very methodical with the, the, his approach and mm. I imagine he'll already be thinking about where he's putting players and where Damien McKenzie's starting. So how far this will put Bowden Barrett back? I know not a lot of rugby players can transition 
from Japanese rugby back to high-level all-black super rugby um, quickly, like it does take time. We've seen mm. it with uh, many of them. So it will be interesting to see how Bowdoin Barrett returns, but good news for New Zealand rugby, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. All righty. Last week we mentioned our top five rugby teams and Husey kind of pitched the idea. So I've gone with down the route this week. What we're going to discuss is the greatest rugby nations. So not just teams, like globally, who are the... I'm going to get you to start off because I just feel like I've got a different list to you. Um, I'm sure you will. So you start off and then I will yeah. go. <laughs> I don't I don't think there's going to be too many shocks with my list. All right. Um, you know, as much as I would want to put Australia number one, I can't. I'm really basing this off of number of World Cups as well as, I guess, history of rugby and prestige, right, of international tournaments, right? And so though the star might be tarnished at the moment, if we're looking at all time, I've got to put Australia number three, you know? Two World Cups, first first nation to ever win multiple World Cups. You know, we're in the Rugby World Cup final in 2015 as well. Uh, the Rugby World Cup final in the greatest game ever played in 2003. Uh, you know, you look at some of the historic names in World Rugby history. Our, in our top 15 of all time, we had lots of Wallabies in there as well. So for me, Australia's at number three. Uh, then the top two is interesting, but... We sort of said this last World Cup would decide this anyway. And so I feel like my decision was sort of made for me. I've got New Zealand at number two and South Africa at number one. I think South Africa, it's hard to not put anyone, to put someone other than South Africa at number one. I mean, four World Cups now across four different decades, right? You have history made there consistently, consistently top of the world, uh, you know, playing as one of the top teams in the world. No dips ever in their form. Uh, and consistently winning World Cups. Like, South Africa is just different in a World Cup year. Uh, so, for me, I... It's hard... It, for me, South Africa New Zealand, very close. Because New Zealand, New Zealand, you could say the same thing, right? Multiple World Cup wins. Arguably the greatest side to ever play rugby in the 2015 um, Grand Final... Uh, World Cup final team that, that won that tournament. Uh, you know, we, against a very, very good Australian side as well. Like as, as you see, we discussed World Cups. That 2015 Australia side, you put them in another, any other World Cup, they probably take out the tournament. Um, consistently good, consistently playing good rugby, never really suffering any dips in form. Um, and of some of the greatest players of all time, a lot of them are All Blacks. However, we're counting all World Cups, we're quoting all time. That does include this latest one. And there's that's where the, the, the difference is. By like that much, by one point, it's a one point difference between these two. Yeah, this has gone as exactly as I expected, and this is what yeah. has has made me happy. And so now I'm going to say, let me cook because I'm about to cook. All right, so I'm going to start from one to three, and then I'm going to get an explanation of why there's a team missing. Okay, so one, yeah, got New Zealand. All right, okay, <clears throat> three men's rugby world cups, six. Women's Rugby World Cups. Like, you've forgot a whole six here, all right? 14 <laughs> men's sevens champs, seven women's sevens champs, six under-20s under champs, 20 the rugby championships and tri-nations champs, and obviously, to wrap it all up, 51 Bledisloe Cups, which, you know, doesn't really matter anymore, but we'll count it. Um, so that's one, okay? Two. In number two, I've got England. 
Now listen, listen here. One Rugby World Cup obviously helps, but two women Rugby World Cups and six runner-ups. They are the best runner-ups in the history of runner-ups, and this is why they're number two on my list. Three under-20 uh, Rugby World Cups with six runner-ups. 29 Six Nations, so Six Nations, Five Nations and Home yeah. Nations all up. Four runners-ups in the sevens men's and one runner-up in the women's sevens. Number three, Australia. Two Rugby World Cups. Um, women's Rugby World Cup, the highest they've come is third, which is, you know, not a bad result. Under-20s, they've come second twice and a third. Four, the Rugby Championships, which is the exact same as... South Africa, and South Africa has twice as many wooden spoons as Australia in the Rugby Championship and Tri-Nations. You have three women's sevens World Cups, which, as we've talked about earlier, is your best women's team at the moment, and four runners-up. Yeah. And I'm the way I've judged this is you look at England's Women's Rugby World Cup where they've had two wins and six runner-ups. They've obviously pushed the 15s game because that's what there is, where they've only had one runner-up in women's sevens. It's the opposite for you. You've had a runner-up in Women's Rugby World Cup or third in Women's Rugby World Cup. But in sevens, you've pushed that where you've succeeded. And you've got a mm. asterisk, <clears throat> asterisk, one-man men's sevens Rugby World Cup because New Zealand only half competed. So you're going to sit here and every South African that follows our page is going to sit there and go, look, hate South Africans. No, you hate women, all right? And the fact that you hate women is why you are out, okay? So the oh, highest, wow. highest South oh, Africa God. has come... In a women's sevens competition is 12th. The highest they've come in a women's World Cup is 10th. They have 11 wooden spoons in the Rugby Championship or Tri-Nations. They are lucky that Argentina got added to the Rugby Championship because they'd be sitting there with about 20 wooden spoons. Then they have a losing record in an individual cup between New Zealand and uh, between Australia. So they have a record of that. Don't give me recency bias with four World Cups. If you just turn up for a Rugby World Cup, does not make you the greatest nation when you forget... Half of the, the, the six of the world also play the sport, and you're not very good at that. And the fact that every other year, bar a Rugby World Cup, you don't care. You are not in my top three teams, South Africa. All right, look, look I think it, you make good arguments. I think you've really widened the scope compared to what I thought we were doing. Again, similar to the, to the other week. Um, I think you make some really good points, though. Uh, Maybe not so much about South Africa hating women. I don't know if I would necessarily sign my name next to that. Note that Springbok fans out there. That's a very Luke statement. That's not a the sports booth statement. Yeah, That's yeah. a Luke Bowden statement. I'll live and die um, that. So yeah. you get your Look, program I, back up and running. Yeah, I think it's. I think they're valid points though. Like if you're considering the entire scope of rugby, we do have to consider it's not just the men's fifteen game. So I think that those are some very valid points you make there. My top three was based off the men's 15 game, so I'm sticking by that. You know, I think if you're looking at purely just the men's 15 game, I think my list stacks up. And you can argue that if you want, but I I, I will stand by it for men's 15s. I'm just checking. I said the greatest rugby nation in the run sheet. So it's yeah, you said the greatest rugby nation. Yeah, look, look. I, it's, 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 interpretation. It's, enough, it's an interpretation. It's, 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 interp- it's interpretation, <laughs> and so I'm going to hunt you down and kill you. I know. Uh, it's, no, it's, it is, you know, it, you, you've just, you, you, you've omitted, you just, you haven't, you haven't misled me. You've just omitted and allowed me to wander down the wrong path, you know? I knew exactly what was going to happen. I've, I've set yes. this up and then I sat there and I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to look into the whole spectrum. And I know Hughes is yeah. going to focus on 15s. Not 
I just, again, it was from last week to this week, it was definitely poised, like I set you up to do yeah. that. But you haven't failed because you've interpreted it your way and you can make a valid argument for your, your free as well when you're looking at yep. specifically that. Yes, um, so South Africans don't come after me, but you probably will anyway. My um, yeah. my individual handle is at Bowdy010 for anyone who wants to actually come after me because you know, I can take it. Um, yeah. And the last point today is things we got in rugby before a new GTA game. Now, Husey, I don't mm. know if you're a big GTA man, but... Uh, I, I, I used to be. I used to be very into GTA. I played a lot of GTA Five. Ah, uh, good, good man. 5. Yes, yes yeah. same here. Yeah. Um, I must say... Um, we're getting a new one, as everyone would have seen from yeah. the trailer uh, that's just come out. So GTA Five was released in 17th of September 2013. So 10 years on, we've got a trailer, and it's not coming out for another year, two years at least. Um, so what we've had since then, we've had three World Cups. Um, mm-hmm. So 2015, 2019, and 2023, South Africa winning two of those, New Zealand winning one. Three British and Irish Lions tours. So um, 2013 was happened pre-GTA Five. But then we've had uh, 2017, 2019, no, sorry, 2017, 2021, and we're going to have 2025, most likely, um, before that yep. comes up. We've had someone like Bernard Foley play his first Wallabies game was after the Rugby World Cup, and mm-hmm. potentially his last Wallabies game before GTA 5 comes out. We have had SBW, Play League, Join Union, then try sevens, then jump back to union, to jump back to league, to go into boxing, to end up in commentary, all before we've got another GTA game. We've had Ireland win the Six Nations four times, England win three, Wales win twice, France win once, and there's still two more to come. But there are some big things that didn't happen before the GTA. So 10 years, 10 years, potentially 11 or 12 years, we haven't had a decent... Rugby video game since Rugby 08. No. So, you know, Ugh, everyone, complaining, everyone complaining about GTA taking 10 years needs to sit back and realise that rugby yeah. players haven't had a good game since Rugby 08. And we are crying out for it, EA Sports. We are crying out for it. That thing would fly off the fucking shelves. World Rugby, get onto it. Um, yeah. And lastly... Choose your commentary for the game, you know. Well, you know <laughs> you, we'll do the commentary for free. We'll do it exactly. for free. Exactly. Just royalties. Just royalties of residuals. Yep. Yep. Love that. Um, and lastly, um, as Husey knows well, still 10 years, but you can double that because we still yet to have a Bledisloe win for the Bledisloe, uh, for the Wallabies. <laughs> so next all year, of that. it's happening next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, believe it into existence. going to do it, whoever he is. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, a lot has happened in the world of rugby since a new GTA yeah. game has come out, um, but a lot has still not happened and potentially mm-hmm. a long time for a Bledisloe win for the Wallabies. But... To finish this off, get us a new rugby video game. South yep. Africans, develop your women's nations up if you want to become the greatest rugby nation of all time. Um, anything else for us, Susie? Uh, yeah, go to the Australian Women's Sevens. Repeat yeah. it in uh, South Africa. Yeah, Cape Town this week. So, look, you've got yeah. you've got women's sevens to watch and, and men's sevens rugby to watch. So get down there and watch those women's sevens because exactly. they need all the help they can get South Africa. Alrighty, um, I've been Luke, that has been Husey, we have been That Rugby Podcast, hosted by the Sports Booth. Thank you for joining us this week, we'll be back again next week, goodbye. Peace.